Welcome back to Songwriting Saves the World. This is season four, the business season. This season, you're going to get an insight on all things behind the scenes in music. We are talking to songwriters, A&Rs, publishers, and producers. And we're so excited to be back and to be giving you guys all the real piping hot tea about the music industry. Woo! Let's get into it. Susanna Slavin is the Senior Vice President of A&R at Mom and Pop Music. She has discovered and signed some amazing artists like Tosh Sultana, FKJ, and Tycho. Thank you for being on the show. We're so excited to chat with you. And welcome Thank you to SSW. Of course. Before we get into the other questions, we have a little icebreaker question for you from a little mm-hmm. game called Songversations. And we wanted oh, to man. know, <laughs> are you as passionate about music now as you were when you were younger? Oh yeah. I am definitely, I'm definitely just as passionate, if not more so, I think now that I have the ability to not only enjoy it um, for pleasure, but also in my career. So I think I appreciate it on a a totally different level. Um, But I also think that now, even when I go to shows, you know, I think initially it would be kind of funny when like, I just be like, you know, when I first started my career, like, oh my God, I can go to all these shows and scout mm-hmm. all these bands. And, mm-hmm. you know, eventually like kind of as time goes on, it starts to just feel a little bit more like just work. And mm. now I feel like, especially after the pandemic and going back to shows again, I like truly felt like a fan again, which was such a yeah. beautiful feeling. Um, so yeah. So I guess that's a long story, but <laughs> long story short mm-hmm. for your question is I am absolutely just as passionate if not more I'm so glad you say that because I always get worried like I hear so many people who work in music for a long time saying that like it kind of dims their light or it like kind of dims their original inspiration and it concerns me so much because I'm like no I don't say that (laughs) that (laughs) freaks me out but that makes me so happy too yeah totally so can you give us a background summary of your musical journey, like how you started and how you got to where you are now. Absolutely. Um, So I have been at Mom and Pop for nine years, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is wild. I guess you guys must have been in like, I don't even know, middle school. (laughs) Um, So I feel very old. Um, (laughs) But um, yeah, before I before I worked in music, I was interning in the fashion industry. Um, you know, my mm-hmm. mother worked for, um, you know, worked in fashion for 25 years. It was always something I was super passionate about and, um, you know, had incredible internships at Nylon and Refinery29. And mm-hmm. I really, really enjoyed what I was doing, but just kind of felt like, you know, it wasn't exactly the right fit for me. Um, mm-hmm. I actually remember one day I was on a shoot at, while well, I was, you know, a fashion closet intern at Nylon and yeah. they sent me on a shoot for um, the music issue and Brandon Flowers from The Killers was the cover. And I just remember cool. being on shoot with him and I was like, oh my gosh, this is like exactly what I want to be doing. I just want to be surrounded by incredible, talented, musical people. And um, mm-hmm. so that's what I set off on my journey to try and do. So I was going into my, gosh, I guess it was my senior year of college. Um, Mm -hmm. and I was literally at the time going through my iTunes, now Apple music, but, um, Mm -hmm. going through my iTunes and literally looking at all of the artists I had listened to and loved and what labels they were on. And I knew I wanted to do, um, the indie label versus the major label route. I just always felt like I connected more with 
that um, those rosters. And also, I think I just thrive better in smaller companies in general. And so, yeah, um, yeah I, I had a number of different interviews at different indie labels. Um, and one of them was mom and pop. Um, it was super gracious to have been introduced to um, you know, the folks over there, um, through a connection that I had actually through my mother, um, and some of my other internships. And so essentially, um, I went on my interview and just totally felt the connection and energy, um, at yeah. mom and pop and just really resonated with a lot of the artists that, you know, they had signed to at the time, which included mm-hmm. Andrew Bird and Ingrid Michelson and, mm-hmm. you know, Sleigh Bells and Parquet Courts and, you know, just loved so many of the artists on that, on the roster. And, um, long story short, I was basically hired on the spot <laughs> and um, wow. took the internship. Look at you. <laughs> um, so I was super excited. You know, it was my first internship in music. And um, basically, you know, there was a day that I remember I just had nothing to kind of do. I finished all of my tasks of like radio mm-hmm. mailers and whatever else people had me doing. And um, I strutted myself into Michael Goldstone's office, who's our founder and Mm co-president. And I just said, hey, I'm Susanna. Um, I'm an intern here. If you ever need me for anything, I'm here, you know, and Mm -hmm. he basically (laughs) sat me down and was like, tell me how you got here. Like, what is, why are you here? Like, what's your passion? Um, You know, and, you know, basically just had a long conversation with him about that. We both grew up on Long Island, so we felt, you know, very cool. we had a mutual understanding of yeah. you know that and so long story short is um you know he kind of gave me like an assignment to do that I sent mm-hmm. back to him right away and he was like call me on the LIR when you get home you know when you're heading home <laughs> and I was like oh no like what did I do <laughs> and um he basically told me he's like I you know I I need an assistant you know the person who was working for me moved to LA how uh-huh. would you like to work for me for the summer and I'll pay Heck you yeah. and, you know, you'll learn more than you're learning now. And I was like, absolutely. So <laughs> I started that and two weeks into it, he was like, I've got to hire you full time. And <laughs> I was like, well, um, I have a year left of college and hmm. my folks are not going to be happy if I drop out of school. Fair. So the long story short of it is that, um, you know, with the help of the Dean of Advisement at my school at Ithaca, um, where I went for a couple of years. Um, they basically helped me figure out a way to finish my degree um, remotely, and mm-hmm. I could work at mom and pop full time, which is what I did. So I went back to the first semester of my senior year um, and then came back to New York and lived at home with my folks out on Long Island. Um, and I started my my job. And so I, that's kind of how I got into my role at mom and pop. So I started working as Goldie, as everyone calls him, um, Mm -hmm. you know, his executive assistant, you know, kind of right hand. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that's how I got into mom and pop. So crazy to say, you know, nine years later, I'm still here, but um, it's it's been an incredible journey. And um, yeah, so in terms of, you know, how I got into A&R, I mean, I knew what A&R was. I I, I didn't really, you know, I didn't go to like NYU or, you know, Berkeley. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to a school for music. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I made, I majored in communications, mm-hmm. but, you know, I essentially was doing the role of a scout and was always kind of discovering new music, you know, had mm-hmm. been building playlists forever and burning CDs for my friends and just kind of yeah. always, you know, finding music in so many different ways, um, you know, when I was growing up and, 
Um, you know, growing up on Long Island also, I think was <laughs> a super funny time because, you know, it was like kind of around like the emo scene where like, you know, taking <laughs> back Sundays and Paramours yeah. and mm-hmm. like all that kind of world, you know, that's like what I grew up in. And so I just, I don't know, felt, felt very like close to music, you know, also just because of like that Long Island scene too. But long story short is, um, you know, I, I started really kind of you know, pitching bands to Goldie, you know, and this was like never mm-hmm. part of my job, you know, I mm-hmm. just was always showing right. him new music and taking him out to shows. And, um, you know, I remember there was a CMJ, you know, early, early on and took him to go see Courtney Barnett at Mercury Lounge where there mm-hmm. were five people in the room. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, that year we had signed Courtney Barnett and, um, I kind of said to myself, okay, well, like, I think I could be good at this, you know, right. this is kind of yeah. where I feel like my passion lies. And, um, you know, I, you know, was really fortunate also to work alongside him and kind of learn, you know, what a true A&R means. I mean, Goldie's been in this business for, um, you know, a long time and had worked at major labels mm-hmm. and signed everyone from Pearl Jam to Rage Against the Machine and Regina mm-hmm. Spector and just has such an incredible aesthetic and resume. And I just, you know, learned so much from him in terms of what it truly means to be, you know, a scout at an A&R and, um, you know, knowing beyond just about signing incredible talent, um, but really being, you know, sort of the the person to really help guide that creative process um, and to also be a liaison, you know, with the label Mm -hmm. and, you know, the artists and managers. Um, So, yeah. So basically, you know, I really just started kind of pitching bands. And the first artist I signed to Mama Pop was this artist from Brooklyn named Mutual Benefit. And we mm-hmm. did one record with him, um, which was, you know, great for me and just a really good um, way for me to sort of, you know, learn, um, you know, just how to really go about putting a record out. Um, and at the time, yeah. I was still sort of working as Goldie's right hand. So I still had that role, but was also sort of slowly getting into my A&R role. So um, mm-hmm. after Mutual Benefit was Tash Sultana. And, you know, they mm-hmm. completely changed my life and my career. Um, and at that time is when I was promoted out of working, um, you know, as Goldie's assistant and in being an A&R manager. Um, and, yeah, after Tash, it was FKJ, and then it was Tycho, and mm-hmm. then it was Beach Bunny, and then um, yeah. Evan McIntosh. And as the years went on, I just continued to kind of really go with my gut and do my thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's years later, and I just uh, began my role as an SVP of A&R here in January last Woo-woo! month. So um, congratulations. congratulations. Thank you. I love that at a bunch of different points in your story, you were like, doing the job you wanted before anyone was like telling you to do it Mm -hmm. you were just like hey I can do this I'm gonna show you and then it worked I love that also just going into the office and introducing yourself and kind of really getting the ball rolling for yourself is really inspirational yeah yeah I I tell all of the interns that um that come in you know not like you know not like go into the spiel of my story and stuff but to really (laughs) always feel like to take initiative um, because it does make a difference Mm -hmm. and you don't know where it'll lead you. So um, it's definitely proven that, you know, there are so many interns that kind of come and come and go and obviously do incredible work. But I think the ones that really stick out are the ones that, you know, um, really take initiative to want to learn and not even just in maybe the internship that they were hired to do, but in other um, parts of the company as well. 
So it's no secret there's a lack of women in songwriting and production and as artists as mm-hmm. well. And I think just overall in the music industry. Mm-hmm. Is this something that you think about when you're searching for new talent? And what are some ways that you encourage and support women in music? Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up. I think that there is a lack of representation when it comes to women who are not only, you know, songwriters and producers, but certainly also people who are, um, you know, identify themselves either, you know, as non-binary or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, trans women, trans men, you know. So I think that in general, there has to be, I think, much more of a um, conversation about that and fighting for representation of, you know, anybody. Obviously, you know, I... I, you know, work and highly respect so many of the the men that I work with and also the people who have worked on so many of our records. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think that, um, you know, I've, I've noticed in the last few years that I do work with artists who say, you know, I, I only want to work with female producers or songwriters or yeah. I only really want to work with other it's female artists. Common. And, um, you know, I think that's one way you know, for Mm -hmm. creatives in general to be advocating for other women, you know, um, and really being able to champion other women's work. So Mm -hmm. I, I definitely try to build, you know, and connect and make those relationships, you know, not only, um, you know, for myself and for the company, but for the artists that we work with. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I think, I think finding ways to be able to, you know, allow women to sort of speak up and be in rooms, you know, with men and with, you know, really with anybody um, and being given a chance, you know, is is really important as well. You know, and um, again, I I have so much respect for so many of the people that we've worked with on so many of the records. But I think it really does, you know, need to continue to be a conversation that everybody has and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to also give the the credit that a lot of women and not even just women but you know anybody in the background of a lot of you know the mm-hmm. most successful songs and um albums out there um for that representation as well um because sometimes those things get overshadowed by you know yeah. more notable names or mm-hmm. um you know people who have made many many records you know for mm-hmm. over plenty of years so i think um yeah, there's there's so many there's so many things that I think are going in the right direction. Um mm-hmm. and I think that it's being spoken about more um than it ever has been, so I think that's mm-hmm. a good good place to start, but there's definitely yeah. a lot more work to be done. That's interesting that you said people will approach you with like I only want to work with women or or something like that because I know that within kind of like my musical musical community, I know like a lot of artists that do that that will be like like our friend Rachel Bachner is like her entire EP is made by women, like from the writers to the producers to everybody to even like the cover art and the photographs. But how is that like, what kind of response does that get in like a label situation? Like, is that something people are allowed to say? Like, I just want to work with women. Like, is that okay to say? Yeah, totally. I mean, I, you know, there have been plenty of situations that that's happened and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, we're fully supportive. I mean, the, the end of the day, you know, like the most important thing for us as a label is that artists maintain creative control. You know, they make all the decisions that come down to not just the music, but down to, you know, every visual and every, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and pretty much anything, you know, the marketing plan, if that's something that they want to be involved in and, you know, with no doubt in my mind, would I ever, you know, tell, tell an artist, you know, that you can't go and do that. And I think that 
there's something really powerful to be said, you know, that, you know what, like, so-and-so is great and he's incredibly talented, but, you know, I really want to go and work with her who maybe she hasn't made as many records and maybe she doesn't have as many Grammys or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. accolades, but I really believe in her work and this is important to me and um, we're fully always here to support that. That makes me happy. Me too. I didn't know like how that would, how that type of thing would go over in that setting. Cause I know for independent artists, like you can do whatever you want, but mm-hmm. that's good. Totally. I think it's yeah. always also like a teaching and learning lesson for us too. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like it's always exciting to be able to know about like up and coming, you know, artists and, you know, creatives, you know, coming up in that field that are women or are non-binary, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I think also there's something to be said that, you know, it's a safe space for people too. Um, mm-hmm. I do work with a number of artists who do identify as non-binary and, um, or, you know, part of the LGBTQIA community mm-hmm. and, um, you know, they prefer to work with people who um, yeah. can relate you know, I think it mm-hmm. makes for a much more fluid and comfortable um, and, and you know, just, a, yeah, just I think a more like um, safe space, safe yeah, environment. Community, um, yeah. You know, I think Absolutely. that there are just way too many situations where artists are put into rooms with people that are, you know, I don't want to say too old. I'm not trying to, you know, throw <laughs> ageism or anything in there. But, right. you know, like just right. people the that mix. they can't really fully relate to or haven't been through similar mm-hmm. experiences. And, um, you know, certainly it's the same for for any gender. You know, I'm sure there are men who say, you know what, I really just want to work with men or, you know, right. women mm-hmm. that just want to work with women. And and all of those things are totally fine. And I, I think that at the end of the day, um, you know, that's something that I also, again, want to be really mindful of, you know, with any of our artists that, you know, ultimately it's their choice and yeah. we're going to support that no matter what. So from an artist's perspective, it seems like artist development by A&Rs and labels isn't happening to the extent as like that it used to happen. There used to be like more involvement and now it's more common for like artists or writers or producers to get involved with labels or signed after they've already kind of been significantly successful independently or on social media. So what then do you think is like, are the advantages of signing with a label once you've already kind of figured it out on your own in that way? Like, what is it really going to do for you? That's a great point. I think that, you know, it's really nowadays so, um, it's so easy to be an artist. And I don't mean mm-hmm. that in like sort of a crass way, just that, you know, you can upload your music and you can distribute yeah. your music and you can own the rights to your masters and you can, you know, make significant money, you know, as an independent mm-hmm. artist. I think that where having a label comes in, especially if, you know, you are having, you know, success with either a song or just, you know, general, mm-hmm. generally getting notable or notoriety rather, is that, a label can really be there, not only financially, of course, but I think mm-hmm. also to really, um, you know, come in with some muscle and some help to really make a lot of the, you know, um, make a lot of the things come to reality that, you know, right. a lot of artists want to do and also bring um, a new perspective and also to um, bring in relationships with other people. And mm-hmm. so I think... For some artists and some independent artists, um, you know, especially in the world now that we live in where distribution companies exist, where, 
you know, mm-hmm. artists such as, you know, say, you know, what, like, originally when, you know, Lauv or Rex Orange County yeah. came around and they were putting out music, you know, through the AWOLs and Cobalts of the world mm-hmm. and, you know, were retaining a probably higher, you know, percentage of their master, yeah. you know, versus a traditional sort of maybe, you know, profit split deal or, um, you know, 360 deals or whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, artists like that obviously had, um, they obviously had a lot of, um, you know, success on their own. And so I think that, you know, at the time, I think that was a perfect situation for for them because mm-hmm. not only could they, you know, continue making the music they were making, but um, to have a little bit of money and spend behind, you know, for marketing and for digital. Um, mm-hmm. And I think now, you know, artists like that are obviously signed to, you know, bigger, bigger labels and right. have bigger teams, um, but I think also have more infrastructure to help um, you know, especially when it comes to like radio campaigns or more money mm-hmm. behind touring or creative, um, even probably for recording funds. Um, and so I think there's a lot of things that, again, you know, like labels really do well and can provide for artists, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as, again, just collaboration um, and community. Um, but at the same time, I think there's something that's really exciting, you know, right now as to be an artist yeah. that you really can be independent and um you know that is an option for a mm-hmm. lot of people but um but once again you know it ultimately comes down to what's important to the artist and yeah. whether or not they really do want a team of people to you know work in collaboration with um mm-hmm. and you know that's those are the kind of artists that you know we're really excited about as artists that are you know not kind of waiting around for a label and and really going mm-hmm. out there and building audience and putting out the music they believe in and, you know, all those labels will come knocking at their door either Mm -hmm. way, you know, um, especially, you know, nowadays it seems like, especially with, you know, virality and TikTok moments and all of those Mm -hmm. things, you know, there are, um, you know, so many of those moments happening that, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's definitely, it's an interesting time to be an artist as well. Um, in that respect. It is. There's definitely yeah. a lot of things changing around that, the way that social media contributes to it. Yeah, I think that makes sense that you sh- that I guess you think about what is important to you. I like that you said that. Like, what is it? How do you want to work? What are your goals? Because I feel like it's so easy to fall into the, I think a lot of independent artists or artists starting are like, oh, signing with the label is some kind of like goal to reach. Like that that's like the epitome of something, but really it's like a tool and a collaborative thing. And you just have to think about what makes sense for you. I mean, even so many artists that kind of blow up on TikTok and stuff end up signing. And everyone always says like, that's when the work starts because it's so much more once you actually sign Mm -hmm. and then start putting out more projects and try to grow on what you already have. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that's very well said. And I always say the same thing because sometimes you know, there's also the mentality of, oh, well, I got a record deal, so I can Mm -hmm. just kind of like coast and I'm good and I've got all this money. And it's sort of like, actually, you know, this is when, you know, the real work begins. So our last question for you is about writers and producers who are unsigned. And if, if there are any ways, what are some ways that they could collaborate with artists that are signed? And when you, like as an A&R, how involved are you in setting up sessions for your artist? 
And do you often like put them with new people? Do you like find new writers that may be unsigned and put them in sessions with them if you like their work? Like, what is that process like? Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, living in an age now where people can, you know, DM people directly, especially yeah. just on Instagram. I mean, I've been in so many situations with artists who are like, you know, there's this really sick producer that I found on like SoundCloud and I just like DM'd and mm-hmm. messaged him on SoundCloud or, mm-hmm. you know, this artist who is coming up and I just DM them on Instagram or, you know, we connected on TikTok. Like Mm -hmm. there are so, so many of those situations. I think some of the best collaborations that come together are the ones that happen naturally between artists um, versus, you know, me as an A&R saying, yeah, you should go, you know, do a session with so-and-so or (laughs) so-and-so. And I think that, um, you know, in my job, like I try to be really mindful, obviously, um, you know, I work with artists that are you know, much more self-contained and produce Mm -hmm. and write and do everything on their own. And then others who are much more open to the idea of working with new people. And I think that when you do have that opportunity to really start, um, you know, helping within that in our process, I think you really have to kind of start with, you know, well, where, you know, what is the direction the artist wants to head in and what kind Mm -hmm. of people do they want to work with? Mm -hmm. And I think to your point, in terms of people who, are, you know, coming up, like everybody's got to start somewhere. So it's really about, I think, you know, if you have a songwriter, if you have a producer or somebody that's, you know, very new to the scene Mm -hmm. or is just, you know, kind of starting out. I mean, I think also like not only just making connections with musicians and artists, Mm -hmm. but also making connections, of course, within that world as well. You know, I think that a lot of people start out as, you know, mix assistants or, Mm -hmm. you know, um, just co-engineering and just kind of starting out like really small, but gradually like working their way up and really just getting the experience of being in the rooms with people, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think is a really, um, it's, it's, it's one way that I think a lot of, you know, up and coming producers and songwriters really start. And ultimately it's like anything else. It's, it's kind of also like, you know, getting a job. It's like, really just networking, you know, Mm -hmm. and finding a scene of people that really, that they connect to. Um, Because I think, you know, we can also be very jaded in this business. And I think Mm. there's a lot of people that sort of stick into the, you know, sort of scenes or look at certain scenes and say like, I want to be in that and I want to do that. And it's Mm -hmm. like, just stick to what it is that you love and the creatives and the people that you really gravitate to and don't Mm -hmm. try to be anybody else. Um, I think that speaks volume. So, um, yeah. So I think that in terms of, you know, that process, like I, I always try to be, I really try to start always with like the artists and manager first, you know, it's like, what are we trying to accomplish and what kind of, you know, people do they want to work with? Um, you know, even going back to what you guys or what we were talking about before in terms of, you know, working with an all female team or, Mm -hmm. you know, wanting to, kind of do the song and dance of doing a bunch of different sessions out in New York and LA and Nashville or, you know, whatever that might be. Um, Mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day, it comes down to, you know, what is the direction that the artist wants to head in and who they want to work with. And then, you know, allowing me if they want, you know, an involvement from the label side to come in and bring forth some suggestions and, you Mm -hmm. know, um, just kind of riffing back and forth on ideas and really starting from like an organic, you know, rapport there Mm -hmm. yeah I love kind of how focused you are on like in at least what you're talking about like the 
specific situations of each artist and kind of making choices that make sense. I don't know. I just haven't heard like it spoken about like that before. I think it's also, um, again, it's like it's so different by situation. Um, And again, I've been fortunate to work with artists at all different phases of their careers. Um, And like I said, you know, it's like everybody has to start from somewhere. And so Mm -hmm. I think it's about like really finding, you know, those those niche people and your people, whether it's the people in your band or if it's like your own production crew that you like love working with or, you know, Mm -hmm a crew of artists that, you know, you always love to collaborate with, like all of those things I think are super important. Um, but also again, you know, like artists sometimes also like to start just recording in their bedroom and, you know, like starting off that way and then eventually branching out. And, Mm -hmm. you know, um, like I said, so many of the most amazing collaborations that happen are between creatives and when it doesn't feel forced upon somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so I try to be, we all try to be at the label, like super mindful about that. Well, those are all our questions for you today. In this wow. interview. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for answering yeah. me for coming. Oh, totally. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was such a pleasure.